With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Bang, bang, Maxwell Silver Hammer came down on his head. Bang, bang, Maxwell Silver Hammer made sure that he was dead. <laughs> God. People don't think I'm nuts. <laughs> go, go to the intro. Intro. Go to- Welcome to Cole Sports. You have entered the zone called sports on another level. And now, here's your host, Cole Johnson. Cole Sports! I am that man, your man, the illustrious tour guide, Cole Johnson. And on this episode, we're going to talk about college football, week seven, week six getting on the way in the NFL, the NLCS and the ALCS kicks off in baseball. Playoffs are getting real hot and heavy. Of course, we're going to award the dope of the week. I'm going to go in on the subject. And I'm going to celebrate a wonderful individual, not in Upon Further Review, but in Champions Personified. But for right now, let's get to the headlines. Dateline College Football. Now, there are other games that are of note. Big Ten has disappointing Wisconsin versus disappointing Michigan. The SEC has the juggernaut Georgia Bulldogs going to Death Valley to face off against disappointing LSU. But the game to me that is of note is disappointing Washington going down to Eugene to face off against the resurgent Oregon Ducks. Now, that is a rivalry that people really don't focus on to talk about. These schools are separated by 285 miles and... There is some bad blood between the two teams. That's just how it is. No rhyme or reason as to why. Quite possibly it could be the well, geographical understanding of, well, which state is better, Oregon or Washington. It just might be the Battle of the Pacific Northwest. Whatever it is, there is intensity every year these two teams play. Dateline Major League Baseball Playoffs. <laughs> So we had the Astros sweep the Indians. We had the Brewers sweep the Rockies. We had the Dodgers fend off the Braves in four games. And we had the Red Sox fending off the Yankees also in four games. But the story of the AL slash NLDS portion of the playoffs was the historic beatdown the Red Sox gave the Yankees. In the Bronx, the Red Sox decided to take out the bats and just beat down the pinstripers in Yankee Stadium to the tune of 16 to 1. I guess that whatever happened after game two in Fenway when Aaron Judge of the Yankees played New York, New York by Frank Sinatra toward the Red Sox dugout. <laughs> well, I guess now the Yankees have to start spreading the news. You're leaving today. You won't be a part of it. The playoffs, playoffs. Bye-bye, Yankees. Dateline, Washington, D.C. Tom Wilson. 
what else can I say about this guy? So he decides in the preseason, not in the regular season of playoffs, preseason to decapitate Oscar Sundvisk almost at center ice. He gets suspended for 20 games. NHL commissioner Gary Bettman laid down the ruling and Wilson is going to appeal it. Now, the NHL has a similar setup to the NFL, as you would probably say the commissioner has the final say-so in appeals, but this is open and shut. Come on, man. What's the purpose? What's the purpose in appealing this suspension when it was clear as day you knocked this guy out? And you know these sports are looking to protect athletes, especially with head trauma. So when you do a forearm shiver to the head, you can pretty much understand that you're going to get a severe penalty. And on top of it, since you have a penchant for doing this, the penalty is going to be even stiffer for you. After all, you're already serving your suspension anyway. I mean, you're sitting out now. Now, you got a chance to see the award ceremony for the Capitals. And congratulations to your team winning the Stanley Cup earlier this year. But you're serving your suspension now. So why are you why are you appealing it? And besides, 20 games in the NHL and the NBA are, what, six weeks long? You'll be back on the ice middle to latter part of November. It'll be U.S. Thanksgiving by the time you get back on the ice. Enjoy your six weeks off and then reflect in that time and not being such a goon. Dateline Seattle. Now we talk endlessly. And dog endlessly. Kevin Durant. Not just this program, but many NBA fans. People talk ill about Durant, especially him not handling success. Well, let's put this in the you're doing something right category. So the NBA stages a preseason game in Seattle. And it's not with the Thunder. <laughs> it was between the Golden State Warriors and the Sacramento Kings. Uh, really, the final score didn't matter. The game really didn't matter. It was the the celebration of Seattle being an NBA presence once again, even for one night. Durant comes out to the court. He wears a Sonics uh, Sean Kemp jersey. And of course, the crowd goes absolutely ballistic in a good way. Durant took center. Durant took center court and he had this to say to the crowd. Quote. First off, I want to give a shout out to the Seattle Storm for holding it down and winning a championship. On behalf of myself, the NBA, our organization, my teammates, we want to thank you guys for coming out and supporting us. I know it's been a rough 10 years. NBA is back in Seattle for tonight. Hopefully, it's back forever soon. Close quote. Durant also went on to say that he believes that every NBA player knows that Seattle should be in the NBA. And, you know, this program is adamant in saying that the NBA needs to get back to Seattle and they need to actually still be the Supersonics when they do get back to the NBA. I agree with Durant and kudos to you for getting it. Kudos to you for being that beacon of hope and beacon of light to those in Seattle who feel as though they need to have the NBA in the Emerald City. And here's to hoping it comes back to Seattle sooner rather than later. Dateline Minneapolis! From the sublime to the utterly ridiculous, forward Jimmy Butler, well, demanding a trade wasn't good enough. Talking to the teams he wants to be traded to is not good enough. No. He had to sulk and go ballistic on his current teammates because they didn't have the dog in them. So instead of being a man and just saying, you know something, I have something that I don't like about this situation or the team, he decides to have a temper tantrum and a tirade in practice toward his teammates. So he got interviewed by ESPN's Rachel Nichols, and he had this to say in that interview. Quote. 
But you got to think, I haven't played basketball in so long, and I'm so passionate. I love the game, and I don't do it for any other reason except to compete and go up against the very best and try to prove that I can hang. All my emotion came out at one time. Was it the right way to do it? No. But I can't control that when I'm out there competing. That's the love of the game. That's raw me at my finest, at my purest. That's what you're going to get inside these lines. I was honest. Was I brutally honest? Yes, but that's the problem. Everyone is so scared to be honest with one another. Close quote. Well, let me be honest with you, Jimmy. You reverting back to not being 27, but being seven is absolutely, utterly, completely immature. You don't take your ball and run home. You don't sulk. You don't light into your teammates in that fashion simply because you don't like your situation. Now, if you're going through a losing streak, I can understand that. But you're not. The season hasn't even started yet. You just don't want to be there after 12 months of being on the team. You don't want to be there. So you take out your frustration of the organization out on the teammates who you've thrown under the bus already. So people are afraid to be honest these days. Well, I'm going to be honest with you right now. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting your trade value and you're hurting the Timberwolves in having people want to play for that organization all because you cannot be mature. Stop with the antics. Stop with the immaturity. Stop with the nonsense. Act like you are a man and act like you're an adult and start conducting yourself in ways that a spoiled brat would. Dateline Philadelphia. Oh, man. Tough times might be ahead for the Eagles as starting running back Jay Ajayi goes down with an injury. And that injury, unfortunately, so happens to be season ending because it was one suffered in his knee during the 23-21 loss Sunday against the Vikings. And now the search is on. Who is going to replace Jay Ajayi in the backfield? Will it be number 26, the one who wears the black and yellow in the same state? We will talk about that a little later. Dateline Philadelphia. Again. The team soldiered onward, and I do mean soldiered onward, traveling to the Meadowlands and just handing the Giants a thorough butt whooping to the tune of 34 to 13. Now, the injuries didn't stop with the Jai. Others went down in that game as well, chiefly among them left tackle extraordinaire Jason Peters. But to Carson Wentz's credit, who has been struggling to get back to his 2017 mojo, he did pretty well to the tune of 26 to 36 for 274 yards and three touchdowns. Now, can we say that the Eagles are back? I won't say that they're back, but I will say they licked their wounds a little. Now, I think what they will need going forward is someone in the backfield to spell Wentz so he wouldn't have to throw 40, 50, 60 times in a game. But you never know. You need victories like these, I think, for a team that is proud and a team that is championship material to get back to where they want to be, need to be, and deserve to be. Now, am I saying that they're going to run the table and become 13-3 and and rule over the NFC like they did last year? I don't think so. I don't think that's going to happen this year. However, they're going to compete, and they proved that Thursday night in the Meadowlands. Watch out. Fly Eagles Fly. You're going to hear that song a little more often in 2018. Later in this program, we're going to go somewhere that I haven't been in a while. Going to award the dough of the week. 
I'm going to award a champion, but immediately following the break, I'm going to go in Pennsylvania, will you get it straight? Now, I'm not talking about Western Pennsylvania fan. I think they're savvy and I think they know what I'm about to say, and I believe I'm speaking on behalf of Steelers fan when I do. But what are you doing, Steelers organization? In the intervening weeks up to almost a month and a half of the Le'Veon Bell situation, it's been one stumbling block and one bumbling move after another. And I'm going to piece it all together, hopefully. And I'm definitely going to peel back the layers because it's time to, on this subject, go So the Steelers, after coming off their best performance of the year, the 41-17 victory at home against the Falcons, they now have to deal with, more than likely, their most physical, not most physical, the most violent opponent they have on their schedule. The most physical is the Ravens, but the most violent is the Bengals. Hopefully for the Steelers, this is going to be their launching pad. They may take their cue after they stay brethren to the east and having a bounce back performance and hopefully they do the same, but there is still trouble a-brewing. Now, you would think that this would be an exciting time because they just received news last week that their starting running back, Le'Veon Bell, is going to return to the team during their bye week, which is upcoming, not too far from now, week seven actually. So he's going to be ready for the team for their stretch drive in November and December. But see, there's layers to this. Now, Le'Veon could have returned to the team as late as week 10 and still be a free agent. Now, afterwards, he wouldn't be able to get paid all of his franchise tender and he wouldn't be able to file a free agency if he were to join the team later. And so there's reasons to that. Well, one, financial. That's obvious. If he can only play six, seven, or eight games and still get $14.5 million, well, hey, there you go. Two, health. Mind you that, to me, outside of the line, the most physical position on the team is running back because they receive so much punishment. And because of that, right when running backs like Bell and David Johnson and Todd Gurley and those types of backs came into the league, the NFL was not paying any running backs. Just look at DeMarco Murray, who in 2014 was the offensive player of the year. Well, he didn't get his money and the Cowboys let him go. The value of the running back position has been devalued as time has gone onward because there is the stigma of, well, 
the shelf life of a running back is roughly eh, for maybe five years if you're fortunate. Guess which year Bell is in in his NFL career as running back. So you can understand the hesitancy that the Steelers have in signing him to the deal that he wants, which, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Bell wants a deal roughly in the neighborhood of four years, 68 million. I believe that's where he wants it. Now, the Steelers are willing to go to 14 a year. Now, four years, 68 million. You math heads, you can do it. I'll do it for you. That's 17 a year. Now, there is precedent with it now because you have Gurley who received the $60 million extension over four years. And you also have other position players who are getting paid richly and handsomely too. say hello to Mr. Odell Beckham Jr. I'm side-eyeing you, son, because you're reverting back to DIP ways. I digress. Bell has all of these things in his head. I got to protect my money. I got to be it, pay what I'm worth. I got to be healthy so that when I actually get my big time NFL contract and not play the rookie deal that I'm playing now on, I will be fresh. I'll be healthy and I can produce and I won't precipitously drop. Well, that didn't sit too well with the organization, the front office and the players because all of them took turns in saying something negative about Bell. One of those comments came from one of his offensive linemen, the guy who is one-fifth of the responsibility of this guy actually making the money he makes and can make. When he said, and I'll paraphrase, that he has someone on the line that gets paid half as much as Bell does. And he got paid one-seventh of the salary that Bell got. Now, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought there was a code in work where you do not talk about another man or woman's but in this case man's you don't talk about another man's pocket you don't dig into his pocket that's not business of ours not saying business of yours that's only his business if bell feels he deserves to have 17 million a year and he's going to hold out for it but the team's only going to give him 14 well that's his battle not yours and you all could say well he's part of the team he's part of the 53 player roster true but when you have the pay structure the way it is because let's be completely forthright the pay structure for an nfl player is horrendous nfl players association you know why and it and it reverts a player to do these actions in order to be paid thusly you got a guy who's no worse than the top three in running backs preserving his health because He feels as though he deserves more and he's not getting the compensation he deserves or he thinks he deserves. And then you add this layer and it's appropriate that I'm talking about this the week they're preparing to play the Bengals for the first time this year. You remember last year when the Steelers went to Cincinnati, you remember their defensive number one player, Ryan Shazier. Oh, I'm sure he does. And I'm sure all the other players and coaches remember that too, because during a normal tackle routine, Shazier laid limp on the Paul Brown stadium ground before having to be caught it out. And now they're seeing him slowly, but surely regain his ability to walk. He was running and he was vibrant and he was the leader of the defense one minute. He was a quadriplegic the next. So when you have someone like Le'Veon Bell, who's extremely intelligent, look at that situation. He's saying, wait, I'm not going to put my body on the line. And I'm, in my opinion and estimation, getting peanuts for it. No, 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 no. If I'm going to risk my body, I'm going to get what I deserve. And if the Steelers aren't going to pay me what I deserve, I'm going to look for it elsewhere. And if I'm not going to get it now, I'm going to hold out. Unfortunately, that's the only weapon a player in the NFL has to get 
paid the way he feels he deserves to be paid. So you're not supposed to run down the guy for standing up for his house. And you all probably thought, well, we can get along with our left yon. That's fine. I mean, James Conner's a good running back. He's okay. But you know that wonderful vaunted running attack that you all lauded because you got number 26 and you have a decent to good offensive line? Doing 3.6 yards per carry for this year is not good. So I think you'll have to admit Connor is okay, but Le'Veon Bell is much better. And then he makes that offensive line better. He makes Roethlisberger better. He makes the wide receivers better. Why? Because he takes pressure off of everybody by pass blocking, by rushing, by running routes. Because if you double any of the other guys, you got to look out for 26. That's the beauty of having Le'Veon Bell in the backfield. So now, Pittsburgh Steelers, you have a decision to make. This is one of the most talented running backs in the NFL today. And I have said this on air. He is the first running back to me that at least can come close to the physical ability of Marshall Falk. I won't say that he comes to the intellectual understanding of the game like Marshall Falk. And I'm not insulting Bell's intelligence. He's an intelligent guy. I'm just giving that much props to Marshall Falk. But you have that type of talent. He can get you the tough yards on third down. He can he can bounce a run outside. He can run up the middle and get those tough yards. He can run a route. You can spread him wide and run a route like a wide receiver. And he doesn't have to get off the field. If he's not going to be in the play, he's not going to get the rock. He can stay back and pass protect and blitz protect. All of that is missing with James Conner. So you have to smooth this out. And I think you now have a decision to truly make. Are we going to be a Super Bowl contender or are we going to stand our ground, do what we traditionally do, and that's not give a big time extension to running backs and let this guy walk because we believe that his best years are behind him. Because if you choose option B, your best years with the team presently constituted will be best behind you. Sign that man. Take care of him and your team will be better for it. If not, you know what you have seen with Antonio Brown last month? You're going to see him be the same for you as Odell Beckham Jr. is now for the New York Giants. A high price tag problem. And I'm not talking about financial. I'm talking about production on the field. Take care of Bell. He deserves his money. Do it now. Later, we're going to award a champion, but coming up next, <laughs> buffoons come far and wide. Dolt of the week time is next. You've tuned into sports on another level. Cold Sports! From the vault, a look back at a key moment in sports history. October 13th, 1971. 
The crown jewel of Major League Baseball, the World Series, was played in the daytime. First pitch starts normally between 1 and 2 p.m. Eastern adorned the schedule every time the Fall Classic was played. Well, that forever changed on this date as Three River Stadium was the host of the first ever World Series night game between the Baltimore Orioles and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Of Pittsburgh, and there's a light on tonight to celebrate the first night game in the history of the World Series. Here on the banks of the Monon- the Pirates went on to win the game and the World Series four to three. It sparked future night games in the World Series, and the first series to have more night than day games was the landmark 1975 World Series between the Boston Red Sox and the Cincinnati Reds. And now the World Series is put on at night. From the vault, brought to you by Ghost Boys. Johnson here. Cut off the music. Let's get right to it. Goat of the week. Goat of the week. Sponsored by nobody. But we're still going to give it to you straight with no chaser. The winner of this episode's Goat of the Week No, 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 no. The winners of this episode's Dota of the Week are... <laughs> UFC 229's main event participants, Conor McGregor and Habib Nurmagomedov. What crap did we just see Saturday night? Was it a UFC fight or was it a WWE cage match for the World Heavyweight Championship? The action in the octagon was fine. I didn't, it didn't matter to me. That was good. I have no issue with that. You had a brawler going up against a grappler. And of course, the goal of the brawler is to knock out the guy with one, maybe two punches. And the goal of the grappler is to get the guy who's in front of them down. Shoot him, get him down, tie him up, and then ground and pound him. So the strategy I got, and I know the pro Connor crowd didn't like it. So what? Have your man be better in the ground game. That's all I can say. So the first, the second, the fourth round, Habib had him. McGregor had round three. Because for whatever reason, Habib decided not to shoot him. Decided not to take him down. So, I mean, it was wonderful when in the fourth round, and for those who don't know UFC, there's five minutes to a round. So in the fourth round, Habib gets a rear naked choke on McGregor, and he taps McGregor out. Good fight. Yeah, there was a lot of trash talking in the pre-fight. And yes, 
there's been some drama that led up to the pre-fight. But the action pretty much ceased. Except it didn't. Because Habib decided to go ham on the McGregor corner. And so it wasn't enough that he talked trash to them. It wasn't enough that he pointed to them and said, scoreboard, he tossed his mouthpiece at the corner. No. He decided to climb up and over the cage. <sighs> and many of you are saying, well, if he did the same thing to me as McGregor did Nurmagomedov, I would probably do the same thing too. In fact, I like the guy for doing that. And I'm like, no, no, no. And I'm going to get off of you, Habib. Macklemore lookalike, come on down. Because you have been a buffoon and a clown for far too long. Now, when you decided to act all tough and be a criminal for real and toss a guardrail at Habib's bus when y'all were in Brooklyn earlier this year, what was the point in that? You, you wanted to sell a fight that bad. But see, you are you have forever earned being on the on my buffoon list when you walked out in that mink hyping up the McGregor Mayweather fight last year. And I saw your act and I said, OK, I see nothing but Bozo the Clown with you. And I know it's all cute because you have this wonderful Irish accent. and You sound like a leprechaun, a drunk leprechaun at that. Oh, me mighty. Oh, I'm going to get my lucky charms. Just one left punch to this fool and he's going to go out. Because he's nothing but a Ponzi. He's nothing but a wonk. I'm going to get him. Yippee! The act is old. The act is stale. You need to go. And you can demand all the rematches you want. But son, you dropped your man card in that octagon when you tapped out. Normally a man is supposed to pass out. If he's going to get choked, he's going to make sure that he does not submit. That he does not give the understanding to the other man. You know what, bro? You're the better man. I got to tap out. If you a man, the man that you do say that you are, the man that you claim that you are, you should have let him choke you out. None of that tapping crap. But that proved that you are far less than a man, that you are a boy clown. Now get your Macklemore looking self away from me. Now back to you, Habib. It's not that I am upset with you because I get it. That stale act, that old act that McGregor has is old. It's horrible. And the things he said to you were horrible. And the things he did to you, especially in Brooklyn, were horrible. And, and the things he did to your team, horrible. I, I do get that. I'm with you on the exact revenge. But you did in the ring. You got your revenge. Not only did you win the bout. Not only did you win the bout your way, but you won the bout your way with the man tapping out to you. You got him to do what any man would want his opponent to do. And that is actually say, you know what, dog? You the better man. I got to tap because you got me on this day. That's what McGregor did to you. All of the Islamophobia, all of the uh, all of the M Russian ties mess that he's trying, trying to tie you into. All of that garbage. All of that is drowned away because all you can say is, you know what? You talked all that mess and you tried to man up on my team. <laughs> well, guess what happened? You were sitting on your hiney getting choked out by me and you tapped out. Scoreboard, sucker. That's all you had to do, Nurmagomedov. That's all you had to do. You didn't have to go ham and act as though you need to have a, a stipulation where, heck, you win the match if you climb out the ring. 
So, yeah, you wrote an Instagram post saying, well, you're suspending me, but what about all the other stuff that this guy has done? You know something? I agree with you on this. I do. Because it's ridiculous that you have this guy run rampant and act a fool and act immature and they sell it for the match. Yes, I'm looking at you too, Dana White. You're culpable for this crap too. That stuff is not pay-per-view sellable. That stuff is churnable to the stomach. My point to you, Habib, is you won the fight. Fair and square. You won the fight. Let it stay there. You didn't have to go further. You didn't have to let your anger boil over and take control of you. You didn't have to go that far. You did what you had to do. You went to that ring. You choked that man to submission. And that's it. You legally did what McGregor couldn't legally do. And it's be the better man and beat his opponent. Dude, if you wanted to actually beat them down, sanction it and have it be about where you can take your turn with beating each one of them. But you didn't have to climb out of the octagon to jump on them to throw blows. So what if he did that crap in Brooklyn? You got scoreboard on him in the ring. That's all that matters. You got scoreboard. Forever you can say, I choked you out, McGregor. I choked you out. And you tapped out. You submitted. You quit. You gave up in a match to me. You have that forever and a day. But you ruined to me the best moment of your professional career by being thuggish. That type of anger is utterly unacceptable. And for those who are saying, well, this will sell the fight for the next time that they match up. And I'm sure, yeah, the pay-per-view rate is going to go through the roof. And this is the best thing for UFC. And everyone's going to flock to see McGregor get his butt whooped again by Nurmagomedov. Fine. But I'm going to say this right now. The next time UFC gets any of my money is when I am cold, dead, and Buried. You will never receive a dime from me because of that drivel being promoted. So you can get all the other drooling guys who care about UFC. You have turned this man off of your sport because you decided to allow UFC to become WWE. If I wanted to watch wrestling, I will watch WWE, which I do. But when I watch UFC, I don't watch it for wrestling. I watch it for all of the mixed martial arts that you're supposed to offer. None of this side drama. None of, none of this psychobabble. White, clean up your sport because you're having these little boys thinking they're men acting out of pocket. Control them. Yes, I will say the word control. Control them. And if you have to ban and fire them, fire them. But you can't have this act go on. You can't. Because this does nothing but taint your sport. Because it's forever tainted me toward it. When I come back, we're going to celebrate. Yes. Celebrating upon further review, a career that doesn't get its just due. Upon further review, Champions Personified Edition is next.
now on Spotify and Patreon. installment and edition of cold sports week eight oh my gosh the college football season's just flying by of the college football regular season will be talked about week seven of the nfl will be talked about probably the week that the steelers love to now have we're of course are going to award the dota of the week put a subject upon further review we might even talk about a quarterback that may get number 500 in the touchdown department hmm that might be a subject but we're going to put another one in the palm for the review, and we're going to, of course, go in on another topic. That and more next week. But we're not done. For this week, there's a career that has not been celebrated the way it has been because there have been others in his position which have dominated the tabloids, the front pages, and the front sports pages. But that all changes right now as we are going upon further review. Without further ado, Cole Sports proudly brings to you Champions, 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 Champions. So this past Monday, all number nine of the New Orleans Saints and formerly the San Diego Chargers, now Los Angeles Chargers, needed to do was to throw for 201 yards on Monday Night Football and he would surpass Brett Favre and Peyton Manning and become number one as the most prolific NFL passer in career yards in the history of the 99-year NFL. Well, who am I talking about? I'm talking about the name that people seem to not want to talk about. Drew Christopher Breeze. And shout out to the snowman on this because this has been a topic that he and I off the mic have talked about. This past Monday night was his night. This was his stage. And this was his moment. And man, did he not disappoint. I mean, heck, he broke the record in one half. And he did it in style, throwing a 62-yard touchdown pass. Now, for those who have seen Breeze do work, you all know that this guy is the essence of precision. He only stands six feet tall. In fact, he's as tall as I am. And in a position that people would like to have those, in a position where you would like to have your quarterback at least six foot three and taller. And even then, there's issues. Lamar Jackson comes to mind. At six foot three and 215 pounds, he was considered too small. But uh, Deshaun Watson, who's the same height and size, was not. I digress. The NFL wants to have the statuesque presence behind center. The Ben Roethlisberger, the Cam Newton, Jermarcus Russell, as bad as he was. The Dante Culpepper, even the Randall Cunninghams, Warren Moons. The, the list goes on and on. 
tall, statuesque guy. That is what NFL scouts look for in quarterbacks. Well, Drew Brees was never that guy, but he proved that he was greater than that. This is more than throwing for over 72,000 yards in an NFL career, which that stat is going to be out of reach by the time he retires. It's more than about 72,000 yards. It's more than about, at the moment, 499 touchdowns. It's more than stats. It's about stature. And it's not about the six-foot stature. It's about the fact that he stands much taller than that, even on the field. And why is that? It's because he goes out there and he prepares probably more diligently than any other quarterback in the history of the game. I don't even put him on par with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and and Joe Montana as those who compete and prepare in such a fashion that just makes you shake your head and say, wow, you're putting in so much work. But on top of it, he's humble. He's grateful. Heck, I mean, I'll let him describe it for you, especially upon breaking the record of the most career passing yards Monday night. Quote. Just so grateful for the opportunity to play the game and to have played it so long and to have the teammates that I have and the New York and the New Orleans Saints organization and this great city and this great fan base. It's just truly been a dream come true. I'll be able to reflect on it maybe a little bit more when my career is done. I still feel like there's more work to be done. Close quote. And others poured the congratulatory sentiment onto Mr. Breeze. Take, for instance, three-time NBA champion LeBron James, now the Los Angeles Lakers, who said, quote, Congrats on the achievement and milestone. Sheesh, that's a lot of passing yards. Close quote. And of course, the man whose record he broke, Peyton Manning, he had this to say, jokingly and seriously. Quote. Thanks to you, that's over now. You ruined that for me. Also, let this serve as the congratulations for the touchdown record, because as you can see, I'm very busy. I don't have time to keep doing these videos for you. (laughs) Close quote. Now, that was the funny side. Now, the serious side of Peyton in this achievement that Breeze accomplished, he had this to say. Quote. All your hard work and dedication paid off. You and I have come a long way since this picture. Close quote. And the picture that Manning held up was one in 2000 where both quarterbacks happened to be where both quarterbacks have happened to have played in the same state at the time. Manning being in his third year as the Indianapolis Colts quarterback, Breeze being the senior at Purdue, West Lafayette, not too far away from Indianapolis. Many seem to poo-poo over this guy's achievements. I heard one comment where it said, well, I really can't take this seriously because this guy played all all of his home games in the Dome. One, I didn't know that the old Jack Murphy Stadium was a dome. And two, if that were the case, why is it that you have Peyton Manning on the top of your list or at least close to it? And he played most of his home games in a dome. It doesn't matter where you play. Breeze had to line up with 21 other guys, 10 for him, 11 against him. And he had to compete to make his offense run efficiently. And for 18 years, this guy has done it in a way Now, no one has done it. 
No quarterback in the 99-year history of the NFL has thrown for more yards in a career than Drew Christopher Breeze. People continue to sleep on this guy, and this guy continues to prove people wrong. He may not have the arm strength like an Aaron Rodgers. He may not have the, quote, comeback genes, close quote, of a Tom Brady. He may not be the field general like Peyton Manning. He may not be the gunslinger like Brett Favre. He may not have the quickest release ever in NFL history like Dan Marino. And he may not be the athlete that we have seen like a Michael Vick or a Steve Young or a John Elway or a Warren Moon or Randall Cunningham. He may not be any of those things. Heck, he may be closer to Doug Flutie than any of the aforementioned quarterbacks I just named. But you know the one thing that Flutie possesses that I dare say none of the aforementioned ones that I just named have? Five foot seven frame, but a seven foot heart. Bigger heart than all of those guys I just named. And Breeze has a heart that's just as big. You could tell him he's too small. You could tell him that he does not have an arm that's as strong as a quarterback in the NFL. You can tell him that he can't be accurate. You can tell him that he will not succeed in the bigger, stronger, faster NFL. You can tell him all those things because he's heard it for almost two decades. But he still throws to 5,000 yards in a, in a season regularly. He still has an all-season where he threw for 4,300 yards. And I'm talking about 2017. That was supposed to be an off year for him. No other quarterback has thrown more than one 5,000-yard seasons. And he has, I believe, if not, I'm not mistaken, four. And he might have a fifth in this year. And people talk about the comparison of Brady Belichick being a great quarterback head coach duo, which they are. I happen to like the Peyton Breeze quarterback head coach scenario because no head coach that I've seen in a long time has had the back of the quarterback as well, as prominently, and as strongly as Sean Payton. And vice versa versa because i've heard interviews where each man has given credit to the other for being the success that they are breeze may not have a lot of the national attention he may not have an mvp in fact the year he should have won it in 2009 that was given to manning but breeze still had the last laugh and beat him in the super bowl he may not have anything but a super bowl mvp at the moment he may not only have but one ring and he may only get one ring but the one thing that you cannot take away from him is the fact that he is a champion and that he has done things no other quarterback has ever done. I think you put it so far to reach, he can make the career passing yards mark be almost on par as like the 56 game hitting streak of Joe DiMaggio or the 511 career wins of Cy Young. Because I could see him easily throwing for more than 80,000 yards before he hangs it up. I can easily see it. He's going to at least throw for 550 touchdowns, probably even more than that. It is time you all put Drew Brees in the conversation of being one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. It's time. It's far past time. If any of you force and fix your mouth to say that Drew Brees does not belong in the Hall of Fame, shame on you. Drew Christopher Brees is a first ballot Hall of Famer. In fact, he is the main event first ballot Hall of Famer, whatever class he decides to be on. Because it comes 
no more efficient. It comes no more prolific. It comes no classier than number nine of New Orleans Saints. And Drew, I'll make this real personal. I was born in New Orleans, so I have ties to the city. I thank you for being one of the greatest ambassadors New Orleans has ever had. I'm so glad that city loves you because they have a champion. As his most prestigious ambassador for the Crescent City. Thank you, Drew. I look forward to seeing what you will have in store because I know you're not done yet. If you happen to like this episode or any episode that you have heard thus far, that subscribe button is blinking like a neon sign. Click it and you will go on to coldsports.com and receive me every single episode when it comes out, when it airs. Coldsports.com with a Z. It's just that simple. And if you want to reach out to me, I can be found on Instagram at coldsports with a Z. On Facebook at coldsports with a Z. Twitter is at Cole underscore sports with a Z. And of course, online, ColdSportsWithAZ.com. And if you want to reach me on email, it's at info, I-N-F-O, at ColdSportsWithAZ.com. And all I do is ask for three simple things, VIP. And those things are to love your neighbor as yourself and love yourself with all your heart. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend about this particular program because it's because of you it exists and enjoy the content thank you so much vip for the intelligent sportsman i am cole johnson and this is You've been listening to Cole Sports with Cole Johnson. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.